we are in what we call the season of epiphany. The season of revelation. When Jesus is being revealed, who he is, why he came. That is our emphasis as we go through these Sundays leading up to the next season on the church calendar. As we go through our Wednesdays, I want to spend time looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus. Things that are really significant for us to understand, appreciate. Things about Jesus, his work, his ministry, his teachings that are really integral for us to grasp. We will be spending time in the Gospel of Luke. We've begun our year of Bible reading, and we have completed the Gospel of Luke. Later this week, we will complete revision. We completed today Luke's sequel to his Gospel. There is a theme throughout the Gospels that is very emphatic. Lucas highlighted it, as have the other synoptic gospel writers. It has also been a theme that Luke has emphasized at the beginning of his gospel and at the end of his gospel, and it is the kingdom of God. It is prolifically emphasized throughout the synoptics. Now, when we talk about the synoptics, we are speaking of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The word synoptic has as its root sin, S-Y-N, from which we get the word synonym, which means similar, and those that are like. So the synoptic gospels are like one another. They contain much of the same content. Whereas John's gospel is very different. And so we have this emphasis about the king and the kingdom. Matthew uses the word kingdom, particularly in reference to the kingdom of God, 52 times. Mark's gospel is the shortest, and the kingdom is emphasized 16 times. And Luke's gospel emphasizes the kingdom 40 times. It would be wrong for us to say that this is one of the predominant themes. This is the theme of the Gospels. Remember that when Gabriel appeared to Mary, he brought this message concerning Jesus. His kingdom will be forever. The Magi came, traveling 600 miles from Persia, to ask the question, where is he who is born King of the Jews? John the baptizer, the forerunner of Jesus, began his ministry with this emphasis. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus began his ministry, it was with the same emphasis. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus emphasized the priority of the kingdom when he said, seek first his kingdom. And he reiterated over and over again, endeavoring to bring clarity and understanding, the kingdom of heaven is like. He stood before Pilate and declared that his kingdom is not of this world. When Jesus was with his disciples, Luke tells us at the beginning 
of his sequel, The Book of Acts. Jesus spent the 40 days before he returned back to heaven speaking to his disciples about the kingdom of God. At the very end of Luke's sequel, the book of Acts, he tells us that Paul spent his time of incarceration in Rome teaching about the kingdom of God. So again, it's not one of the emphasis. It is at the heart. It is who Jesus is. It is why he came. And so with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. It would be worthwhile, if we had the time, to read this entire chapter together. But let me just highlight the chapter for us. And then let's look at a few things that are very significant. So in Luke chapter 8, we find that Jesus is traveling. Going to towns and villages. Accompanied by a group of women. A large crowd gathered. And he told them one of the most familiar parables, most recognizable to us. The parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil. He spoke to his disciples about the meaning of that parable. And then someone in the crowd called out, your mother and brothers are standing here wanting to see you. And Jesus said, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. The scene changes and Jesus sets out with his disciples in a boat to cross the sea. A storm comes up. Their well-being and safety is threatened. The disciples are fearful. Jesus rebukes the storm and everything is calm. The disciples are astonished. What kind of man is this? Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. When they got to the other side, the land of the Gerasians, Jesus encountered a man who was so possessed by demons that they were known as legion. Many demons possessed this man. The man was uncontrollable. They would chain him. He couldn't be bound by chains. He didn't live in a house. But when Jesus encountered him, those demons submitted to him. And the people found the man in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. Tragically, the people did not want Jesus to stay. And they sent him away. But Jesus sent the man back to his home to tell of all that God had done for him. When Jesus came back, the crowd was waiting for him again. And in that crowd was a distraught father who came to Jesus and said, Would you please come? My daughter is dying. In the course of making his way to the home of Jairus, there was a woman in the crowd who had a chronic affliction, one that had drained her life savings, one that was incurable by the doctors. She pressed through the crowd to touch the hem of his cloak, and she was healed. 
when Jesus arrived at the home of Jairus, it was to discover, to be greeted with the bad news, the tragic news, that Jairus' daughter was dead. But Jesus spoke words of assurance to those distraught parents. Don't be afraid. Just believe. The crowd laughed at him when he said, she is only sleeping. But Jesus went into the room with his disciples, Peter, James, and John, took her by the hand and said, get up. And she stood up. And Jesus demonstrated all through this chapter the extent of his power and his authority in the coming of the kingdom of God. So with that overview, let's go back and walk through this chapter again. But finding some things that are significant, some things that you and I need to take to heart. The first thing that we see is the presentation of the kingdom. The presentation of the kingdom. Luke tells us that Jesus traveled. This was his second time going through Galilee. And what did he do? Luke tells us that he proclaimed the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. When we read that statement, we're reminded of what the angel said to the shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy. And Jesus traveled proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. This was, after all, the whole point of why he came. This was the focus of the mission of Jesus. He came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. He, claimed to, he came to make the kingdom manifest. The people sitting in darkness have seen a great light. Remember, he stood in his own hometown. He unrolled the scroll. He began to read the words of Isaiah 61. Words that contrast his work with the existing work that the people were living under. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loved, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus had come to bring the kingdom of God to rescue people from the dominion of darkness. Remember that John wrote in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that the reason that Christ was manifested in this world was to destroy the works of the devil. He came to manifest the greater kingdom, and to deliver people from a kingdom in which they were powerless. They were slaves to the kingdom of darkness, but Jesus came to rescue them. Jesus not only proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, but there was accompanying evidence Luke tells us that traveling with Jesus was his disciples and a number of women who had been cured 
of evil spirits and infirmities. And Luke gives us their names. This is something that is such a wonderful detail. With Jesus, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, was accompanying witness. People who could readily testify, yes, this is what he has done for me. Mary Magdalene, out of whom have been cast seven spirits. Others in that party. It was also significant because it was revealing the reach of the good news of the kingdom. The effect of the kingdom to include all people. Jesus was a very different rabbi. He taught with authority. In Capernaum, where he went after being in Nazareth on his first mission in Galilee, remember that there was a man who was possessed by a demon. And Luke tells us that that man cried out, and Jesus rebuked him, rebuked the demon, cast it out of the man. And this was in church, by the way. And the people were amazed at his authority. He spoke and acted with kingdom authority. The authority of the kingdom of light and righteousness, greater than the authority of the kingdom of darkness, under which not only this man had been living, but also the people themselves their own spiritual and religious leaders did not have the authority to deal with that situation. But then came Jesus. And these women are a testament to the kingdom authority of Jesus, but as I said, also the kingdom embrace of Jesus. Jesus was considered to be a teacher. He spoke with authority, amazing the people. He was a rabbi. But he wasn't a rabbi like any other. Rabbis would not teach women. Women were too far beneath them. Not Jesus. Jesus delivered them. And then he took them along with him. To say, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Ah, it is such a beautiful picture. But there's also something else that's significant here. Remember that there was an argument that arose concerning the authority of Jesus. And it arose because some of the people were questioning as they looked at what Jesus did. Could this be the son of David? People lived in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. There was a blind man who had clarity that others didn't. He cried out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It is what Gabriel had said when he announced to Mary that she would give birth to a son. And so the people were questioning, could this be the son of David? The Pharisees, of course, in their jealousy, tried to re rebut what the people were wondering. Oh, he cast out demons by the power of the prince of demons, Beelzebub. And Jesus responded by saying, If I cast out demons by the power of Beelzebub, then... By whose power do your people cast out demons? They will judge you. And then he said this, But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
And these women traveling with Jesus were a presentation of the kingdom of God to everyone who saw them. A presentation that the kingdom of God really was at hand, that it really had come, and that its power its sufficiency, its authority was greater than anything else that people experienced, were in bondage to, anything else that ruled their lives. They were living, breathing evidence. Like the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, a living epistle written by God. Walking, breathing, testifying, giving evidence alongside of Jesus as he proclaimed that the kingdom of God had transformed their lives. The focus in Luke chapter 8 then shifts to the parable of the kingdom. Now, there were many parables that Jesus told where he began, the kingdom of heaven is like. But this is the premier parable. Luke gives us to us in a more condensed form than does Matthew. And so when you read it here in Luke, you also need to go back and read it in Matthew. Get the full version. But one of the things that Jesus emphasized is that this king, this parable was about the kingdom of God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13, after Jesus told this parable, he told several more. Again, the kingdom of God is like kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure in a field. Kingdom of God is like a man who sold everything to buy a pearl. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. But this parable, the parable of the seed or the sower, the seed and the soil, has a particular importance because Jesus said to his disciples, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand anything. He would quote a passage from Isaiah regarding the people hearing but not comprehending. The Apostle Paul would also quote that same passage as he spoke to the Jews during his incarceration in Rome about the kingdom of God. That helps us understand why this is such a significant parable and why we would call it the parable of the kingdom. And we're familiar with this parable. A sower went out to sow. He scattered seed on the ground. Some ground was hard, and the seed never germinated. Some ground was shallow, and it germinated quickly. But then it died out under the heat and exposure. Other ground, the seed germinated and grew, but it was choked out by weeds, thorns. And then there was good ground. The seed germinated. It came to maturity. It resulted in a great harvest. The disciples wanted insight and understanding into this parable. And the first thing that Jesus said to them is, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom is given to you. Now, he had said to the crowd, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Those words are familiar to us, aren't they? 
Jesus not only said them to a crowd, he said them to his churches in Revelation. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he said to his disciples, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom is given to you. And Jesus explained to them the parable. How the hard ground is like the hardness of one's heart. The word is not assimilated. It's not understood. The devil steals it away and it comes to nothing. Shallow ground is are those who embrace the word when they hear it. But then when times get tough, they give up. They give in. They turn back. Other ground that is choked by thorns are like those who receive the word, but then the cares of this life, worry, anxiety, the pressure of the moment, the consuming urgencies of today, along with those things that appeal to the flesh, choke out the word so that it becomes nothing. And then finally, there are those who hear the word. Matthew uses this term in his version of what Jesus said. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom. That's how Jesus prefaced his explanation. And then he said concerning those who produce a good crop. Those who hear the word, retain it. And by persevering, produce a crop. Now remember, Jesus said to his disciples, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom is given to you. And in his explanation of the parable of the kingdom, Jesus gave insight into what he meant. The secret or the key to the kingdom is in how you listen to the message of the kingdom. How you listen to the message of the kingdom. Again, those who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Verse 15. Then in verse 18, Jesus said, Therefore, consider carefully how you hear. The secret or the key is in how we hear. Let him who has ears hear. But hear how? The first soil. Hear, but don't understand. The second soil. Hear, but don't persevere. The third soil. Hear, but don't tend it. But those who hear carefully, those who retain the message, those who persevere in the message. Remember, we have two kingdoms that are in conflict. The prince of the kingdom of darkness wants to hold people in bondage. Ignorance. Misunderstanding. He wants to misrepresent the kingdom. He wants to retain his authority over people so that they never experience the blessing of the kingdom that has come. He does everything he can to nullify the word of God in your life and my life. To cause us to give little attention to it and more attention to other things. These dynamics play out every single Sunday in our services. I see them in the faces, the posture of people. 
I can see who's paying attention. I can see who's retaining. I can see whose mind is far away, who is dull in understanding, who is taking notes, who's daydreaming. It all plays out before me every single Sunday. Jesus said, therefore, carefully consider how you hear. Remember, no other parable is more important to understand than this one. And the key to understanding is in how we hear. In fact, Jesus used that term in Matthew 13, in Matthew's account of this parable. He who hears the word and understands it. Friends, you and I need to make effort to understand the Word of God. To study the Bible. To posture ourselves before the Holy Spirit. And ask Him to give us understanding and to guide us into all truth. It's why He's here. If I say anything tonight that is worthwhile to you, that is enlightening to you, it is because of the Holy Spirit. As I sat down to study and prepare this passage, my cry was, Holy Spirit, guide me. Give me understanding. Otherwise, I don't have anything that's worthwhile to say. If you understand, it's because you have listened carefully and within listening carefully, you have said, Holy Spirit, Give me understanding. You and I need to take time to study God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. There's one more aspect to this, and it's found in the incident that we referred to earlier. When Jesus' family wanted to see him. They couldn't get close to him because of the crowd. Someone cried out, your mother and your brothers are here to see you. And Jesus said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear my words and put them into practice. Jesus has said a great deal throughout this section on hearing and on doing. And you and I need to make certain that the parable of the kingdom of God does not go by the wayside in our lives, but that we make every effort to hear it, understand it, take it to heart, retain it, for the enemy will try to cause us to forget. He will try to choke it out by our busy lives. He will try to steal it away. But we need to persevere in God's word. Thirdly, we see the power of the kingdom. So the presentation of the kingdom, Jesus proclaiming, and the accompanying evidence of the women, the parable of the kingdom with its emphasis, consider carefully how you hear. And thirdly, the power of the kingdom. Now let's go all the way back to this first emphasis in Gabriel's message to Mary. Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. 
Take note of everything that is said in that passage concerning the position, the prestige, and the title given to Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Hold on to that one. He will be great. He will be given the throne of his father David. He will reign. His kingdom will never end. Those are, well, those are kingdom words. Reign, throne, great. It's a kingdom title. Son of the Most High. In Psalm 89, we find this wonderful psalm about the faithfulness of God, but in particular, to the covenant that he made with David. And in particular, I want to reference verse 27, where God said to David, in making covenant with David, I will appoint him, David, my firstborn. Who is God's firstborn? The Son of the Most High. I will appoint him my firstborn. And then he said this, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. Jesus, Gabriel is implying, your son, Mary, who will be given the throne of his father, David, and whose kingdom will be forever. He is the most exalted of the kings of the earth. Many years after God spoke these words to David, Daniel had a vision. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, we read, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming in the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Look at those words. Let's understand them in light of Jesus, who declared himself to be the Son of Man. In fact, that is the portrayal of Luke. So look at how Scripture is converging in who Jesus is. Jesus, who Gabriel said to Mary, would be the Son of the Most High, would sit upon the throne of David. His kingdom would never end. Whom God said is my firstborn the most exalted of the kings of the earth, who Daniel saw in a vision, was given sovereign power and a kingdom that could not be destroyed, an indestructible kingdom, an overwhelming kingdom, a preeminent kingdom, a kingdom that would displace and neutralize every other kingdom. And so now Luke takes us through the authentication of the authority of Jesus. He substantiates for us what Daniel saw in his vision when the Son of Man was given authority and sovereignty, sovereign power. And so again, Luke takes us through. Jesus and his disciples are on a boat going across the sea. A storm comes up. These men who are very familiar with navigation, very comfortable on the water, cry out in panic, believing that they're going to die. And Jesus stands up and he demonstrates 
his sovereignty and his authority over nature. He rebukes the storm, the winds, the water, and immediately everything is calm. And the disciples are awestruck. Who is this? Even nature obeys him when he commands it to be subject to his words. Daniel said he was given sovereign power. His authority as the king is authenticated here. He has authority over nature. And then Luke takes us to this encounter with this demon-possessed man in the Gerasians, the region of the Gerasians, not just possessed by one demon or two, or even seven like Mary Magdalene. No, this man is possessed by a legion of demons. He is uncontrollable and uncontainable. There is no answer, no help for him. He lives in acts with a strength that is far beyond human strength. When they chain him up, he breaks the chains. He's a wild man, ruled by the power of demonic forces. But when those demonic forces encounter Jesus, they are terrified. And they cry out, don't send this to our judgment ahead of time. Don't torture us. They recognize the authority of Jesus. Jesus has authority to determine what is going to be done with them. And they recognize it. And beg him to send them into the pigs that these people are hurting. And Jesus commands them to go into those pigs. And when the people come out to see what has happened, they find this man sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. A man who has been out of his mind to the extreme. A man who has been uncontrollable sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. And again, the authority of the king, his sovereignty and his power, the extent of his kingdom is again authenticated and manifested. He not only has sovereign authority over nature, he has sovereign authority over every spirit of the invisible realm. Luke brings us back again where the crowd is waiting. And as Jesus moves towards the home of Jairus, there's a woman who has an hemorrhaging condition it has persisted for 12 years. It is an incurable condition. She has spent everything that she has on doctors. No one's been able to help her. But she reaches out to touch the cloak of Jesus. And when she does... Luke specifically tells us that she is instantly healed. She goes from having an incurable condition to being instantly healed. And so the sovereign authority of Jesus is again manifested and authenticated. He really is the king who has all authority and power, even over incurable diseases. Remember that when Jesus looked around, he asked the question, who touched me? Power has gone out 
of May. And then he comes to Jairus' house. The news is given by the people there, your daughter is already dead. But the reassuring words of Jesus to his parents, to her parents, and then he goes in. He takes her by the hand, commands her to stand up. And she does. He has the power over life and death. Authority over life and death. Not just death, but life. For Luke tells us that Jesus spoke to her and her spirit returned. From the place in eternity where her spirit had already gone, Jesus called that spirit back to re-enter her body and bring life. He is sovereign. He has all authority over nature, over invisible realms and spiritual powers and principalities, over incurable diseases and over life and death. There on the sea, Jesus rebuked his disciples for their non-existent faith. Where is your faith? Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he told his disciples, be careful how you hear. But in the moment of crisis, they had no faith. To the man who he delivered there in the region of the Gerasians, Jesus made that man a testimony of faith. Return to your home and tell everyone how much God has done for you. To the woman who pressed through the crowd and touched his garment and who experienced his power to cure her incurable disease, Jesus commended her for her faith. When he came to Jairus' house, he encouraged the faith of those distraught parents. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Back when another election was going on, this time between President George Bush and Bill Clinton, governor of Arkansas, James Carville, who was an advisor to Clinton's presidential campaign, came up with a slogan. At that time, the country was in a recession. And he came up with this slogan. It's the economy, stupid. And that slogan was one of a couple that carried the election for Bill Clinton. We could, without being funny, say, it's the kingdom, stupid. But the adversary wants to keep people in darkness and ignorance about the kingdom of God. He wants to keep them stupid to who Jesus is and why he has come. He wants to keep people from having understanding and experiencing all that Jesus, the King, has brought. The fullness of the good news. The fullness of the blessing of the kingdom. It's the kingdom, period. Let me close with a few thoughts for you and me. We need to keep our eyes on the king. We need to keep our eyes on his agenda, his power, and his purposes. There are many things to distract. 
There is a supernatural effort on the part of the adversary to take our eyes off of the king. His mission, his agenda. In the last days, many people will take their eyes off and they will fall away. Their hearts will grow cold. They will not be ready for the coming of the king. Keep your eyes on the king. When there is a storm, keep your eyes on the king. When you have a need, set your eyes on the king. There's a host of other things that will endeavor to draw your attention, your mind, your emotions. There is an enemy that will work to supernaturally divert your attention, but keep your eyes on the king. When there is no crisis, don't take it easy. Keep your eyes on the king. Be in the word. Draw near to Jesus. Seek to understand his kingdom. Give yourself to the work of the kingdom. It will help you keep your eyes on the king. Secondly, seek to, to know the secrets of the kingdom. Seek to know the secrets of the kingdom. We've emphasized this. As we have looked at this chapter this evening, but remember the words of Jesus. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you. The adversary is always at work to make the word of God seem like it's too hard to understand. To make it seem like it's not as interesting as something else. It causes us to turn away in frustration or to feel pointless about the time that we spend in the word of God. But remember, Jesus said the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you. So let's pay attention to how we listen. Let's take to heart what we hear. Don't let it be stolen forgotten, diminished, or neutralized. Make sure you put into practice the words that you hear. If you do, it will become fruitful. Make sure you posture yourself as you read the word before the Holy Spirit, for he wants to teach you and guide you into all truth. Pray that he will reveal to you things that you do not know. Spend time memorizing the scripture, cross-referencing scripture. Seek to know the secrets of the kingdom. Expect the power of the kingdom and the authority of the king. Matthew, in his telling of the woman with this issue, this incurable disease, she thought these words, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. She expected to experience power coming out of Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Jairus' house, the people said to Jairus, don't trouble him. It won't make any difference now. She's already dead. They did not expect anything more. You and I need to live in expectation. Never accepting things as they are. Whether it be circumstances in our own lives, the darkness in the world around us, people in bondage to the dominion of darkness, never accepting things as they are. But expecting to see the power of the kingdom and the authority of the king. Lastly, be assured by the blessings of the kingdom. This is such a beautiful note in this chapter. Remember that John said in his prologue, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We beheld his glory 
the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then he amplified that a couple of verses later by saying that from his grace, we have received one blessing after another. The king has come with blessings. The kingdom of God is all about blessing, while the kingdom of darkness is all about the curse. So be assured by the blessings of the kingdom, his ability. He gives a right mind. He speaks peace, which is what he said to the woman. Go in peace. He restores back. Ability, right mind, peace, restoration. Just four of the many blessings that come because he is the king who declared to his disciples, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. By his blood, as John recorded in Revelation 5, we have been purchased and made to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God. We have been brought out of darkness into marvelous light, Peter writes. And we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are a people who belong to the greatest kingdom, the preeminent kingdom, the kingdom that has all authority and all power, the kingdom that will be forever. So let's live as people of the kingdom. Let's keep our eyes on our king. Let's endeavor to become people who understand the purpose of this kingdom and live exclusively for this kingdom and this kingdom alone. We have a most wonderful king. Our king has all authority. And we are citizens of his kingdom. Praise God. This is a wonderful chapter, isn't it? I trust that the Holy Spirit has witnessed something to your heart this evening as we have looked at this chapter. And if he has, again, I encourage you, hide it in your heart. Meditate upon it. Cause it to bear fruit in your life. Let's be careful how we listen this Sunday when we come to church. When we open our Bibles during the week, asking the Holy Spirit to give us insight and understanding. We want to grow stronger in our Lord Jesus Christ, his reign over our lives, his purposes as king. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for gathering us together this evening. Thank you for your word that is so rich. You have so much to say to us. We pray that in our lives there will not be a famine of the word of God that we will not be dull of understanding as Jesus addressed some people, slow. But we pray that we will listen, listen well. We pray that you, Holy Spirit, will speak and guide us into all truth. May your word dwell richly within us. May faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Lord Jesus, may we keep our eyes on you. Living today for your kingdom and looking for your coming. 
when we will be in your eternal kingdom forever and ever. We pray all of this for your honor and your glory. Amen.